is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, Gemma, host Nick, and Dan. And gentlemen, the three points FC trail wagon is ablaze and running. Dan's never been happier. I tell you what, I'm in a great mood. This is awesome. This is exactly what we talked about during the last episodes that we've been doing about matches, that Chelsea just needed, needed the rebound, needed the springboard, Nick, and it was here. It was Crystal Palace at home, powered by the Viali Tribute. Boom, bam, three points, done and dusted. Yeah, it is a weird feeling, you know, to, to win again. To win? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wasn't, I, I didn't really know how to feel, but uh, look, uh, very, very pleased. Happy for happy for Graham because I think he he needed this. Those those bags under the eyes are getting a little heavy, and uh, hopefully everyone gets a decent night's sleep before we go again. All right. Well, uh, as you can tell, no sad naps needed on this Sunday. Uh, instead, we'll be talking about Chelsea and Potter finding a Premier League dub thanks to some stellar defense uh, and an unbelievable uh, inability to manage stoppage time at the end of the game. Uh, we'll be talking about the Blues unveiling a new way to announce a signing in the middle of the game. I kid you not. This is uh, uh, a new era for comms. That is for sure. Then uh, obviously we talk about some Gallagher goodness uh, as well. So anyways, three word match review, Dan, tee us off. How are the people feeling? Uh, I'm assuming quite different from the last time we, we played Fulham. Oh, they're feeling great. They're feeling good. They're feeling maybe a little shocked and surprised like Kate with the Holy Keppa Batman. Uh, we had uh, Tano, or Tano with the Tiago is Timeless. We had our good friend Scott with Chelsea win. Viali Zarli with the Trust in Youth with a Schmidt New Girl gif with youth beneath it. AJ with the Ron Burgundy. We are back. He also had a little bit of love for a new signing in. I'm going to help make it a, four, a three word from four. Out the Mudrick. Like Chelsea are now out of the mud. You also had, to cap it off, I think the best one, Backstreet's Back. <laughs> All right. I was like, you're not going to skip that one, are you? Oh, no, no. I had to. That one is the cherry on top of the Sunday. There you go. Way to go, John. Yeah, John Dole's are coming in clutch. All right. I put shenanigans don't distract, which is impressive because if there were any time that the club could be accused of maybe sabotaging on-field performance, it was this, and they didn't. They delivered amidst the chaos. Saturday was absolutely insane by the way which we'll talk about uh nick what about you deploying mud flaps um this works on multiple levels something i'm pretty proud of but uh but yeah we'll get into it dan lastly i'm gonna say that's a side of salt because boy oh boy the last 24 to 48 hours in terms of watching the meltdown from arsenal supporters who are top of the league and probably have more things to be excited and happy about about Chelsea and apparently our crazy finances holding this player hostage. I mean, there's a lot of just really, really terrible takes. And so, you know what? Uh, pass the salt, Nick. That's right. Yeah, I, I got plenty of it of my own. But uh, but yeah, it's been hilarious. The online reactions have been so wild. I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate Keppa's uh, shenanigans as well, which, you know, well, we'll save for the right time. Uh, huge shout-outs to Garland for joining us on Patreon. Access to the Discord is unlocked. Uh, completely biased, but I'd say the best online uh, community of Chelsea fans if you're looking for people to hang out with. Um, and then question asker one two three four five. 
five, left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Loving the momentum there. Uh, Spotify could pick up a little bit, but hey, not calling anyone out. We appreciate all the love. Like I said, it just helps us be discovered by everyone else. And then when you go to rank us against like ESPN FC and all these other media networks, like we rank that much higher, which shows that the fans want to hear from fans and not just, you know, people in a booth. They get paid to talk about it. So anyways, uh, here it is, the Crystal Palace match this past Sunday, the 15th of January, in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. In case you missed it, Chelsea won. Palace nil, the only goal coming from Kai Havertz in the 64th minute. So we're going to run it over to the Fist Stand app. That's right, the only official app from Chelsea FC. If you want to know who we signed mid-match, download the app. If you want to know what number he gets in the middle of the match, download the app. Thanks for letting us use the highlights. We'll be right back. Room for a shot for Michael Elise, who stings the palms of Kappa. Gallagher and Chukwemeka and Mount all lurking edge of the box here. It's Thiago Silva, he sends it back in. And he might be able to do it twice, he has. And then Silva on the volley. Oh, what a save from Guaita. Ziyech bending one in for Kai Havertz. Oh, it's the roof of the net rather than the back of it. But the ball grazes Havertz, colliding with Guaita. Ziyech, oh, great. waiting for it, it'll come for Lewis Hall, oh I think Guaita might have got something on that you know, Schlupp's had it, oh it's a brilliant save again from Kepa, and eventually Chukwemeka to safety, well Kepa twice this half has produced phenomenal stops to keep it at 0-0, here he is again Gallagher Havertz is out of it off the pitch, in towards Chukwemeka, Guaita there, it's Hakim Ziyech, Oh, and this time it's Guaita who makes the save. Make the difference. Gallagher worked it short, he's got it back now from Ziyech. Ziyech will then put it in with his left. Havertz is header! And Chelsea ahead! Really well worked, quarter routine, and there's Kai Havertz, to power it in. Jorginho sliding one into Mount, really clever pass. Makes a mount across the face of goal. Havertz tried to get there, and in doing so, maybe took it off the head of Aubameyang. Edouard, in toward Mateta, Yoga Silva got the header to it, oh what an effort, sent back in by Decore, and again for the third time in the match, Kepa makes a great save to keep Chelsea sheep. Uh, at one point I was trying to open the app to like get the reports and things, it was just crashing, like clearly yeah. it, it was being flooded with, with clicks and things today, so you can tell it was working. Uh, Dan, lineup time. Well, we had Kepo between the sticks. It was Benny. That's right. Uh, Benoit Badishu. Next to Tiago Silva, Trev Chalaba, and Lewis Hall as your back line. Look, everybody else is classified as a mil- midfielder except for Kai Havertz. So the formation yeah, got a little amorphous at times. It was Virginia Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech, Connor Gallagher, and Chuck Lameka as starters. And then you did see Mateo Kovacic, Aubameyang, Koulibaly, and Aspilicueta come off the bench, not David Dottrofafana, who was brought up about two or three times before eventually being told to sit back down and uh, did not get a chance to get it out onto the pitch. So, yeah, that was our lineup. Professional warmer upper. Um, 
some of the top line stats in this one, uh, Chelsea was 63% possession, uh, Palace was 37. We uh, only had 15 shots with five on target to their 10 with five on target. Um, we had 33 tackles, their 23. Uh, this was a very back and forth game in terms of uh, retaining possession. We had 23 clearances, their 26. We had 11 corners to their seven and three offsides to their one. The XG... Uh, I was a little bit worried because it took a long time to really take that jump, which obviously didn't come until after the 77th minute. Uh, but Chelsea ended with a 1.64 to Palace's 0.58, which I think is, again, Nick, good to see that we're limiting the other team. Um, that really hasn't been the issue. Uh, the issue is creating chances. Um, we were at like less than a one until Kai scored. And then finally, towards the end, we got some more chances and it jumped up. But again, it, it was... It was a little slow, even, you know, with the win today. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a phenomenal offensive football match that we just watched. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was kind of a gritty, tough, you know, January Premier League game, which, you know, these, these things tend to happen. I think it happened across the, the whole league this weekend, to be, to be frank. So, um, you know, I, I think where it really jumped in that map is, you know, there were a couple of decent... Uh, threw balls in for Aubameyang that that could have been converted, and I think right after Havertz's goal, like that's that's where it kind of jumped up. But we played better today, so hopefully, you know, our XG continues to climb as we play better. That'd be the goal. That's definitely yeah. what we're trying to do. Or um, you had the even. you had the NVET pet NPET shit house moment of the match. Um, maybe it was a running theme potentially nick yeah it was a bit shit house today there's no doubt about it i'm going to say one and then brandon i know that you have one as well uh, about keppa so i will just use the connor gallagher laying down in the middle of the field and refusing to get up only to then be uh, approached by many of his former palace teammates trying to lift him off the ground them getting yellow carded him walking off the pitch for like three or four seconds before the referee waved him back onto the field and uh, he got about his business so uh, very very pleased with Connor showing up in the shithouse category today um, BB talk about Kappa I mean look uh, when you have the opposition fans you know that close to to the goal like you're always going to get these interactions late in the game um, you know, they miss a shot. It's a goal kick, you know, the fans rather aggressively and again, understandably. So, uh, you know, chuck the ball at Keppa, great technique, parries it right back at them. They throw it again. It's just like a beach ball back and forth. Uh, finally it gets sorted out, uh, right as a water bottle, uh, nowhere close to him, but, uh, hits the goal. So you could tell that there was definitely some relationship building being being <laughs> taken uh, between the two teams. And uh, you just love to see a, it. Oh, will they, won't they? You know, that's yeah. the start of any fun, romantic comedy. And, you know, really, we're just going to see how this plays out, you know, over the remainder of the season, next couple of years. And maybe eventually, against the odds, they'll make it. Yeah, and really, this all comes down to Powell. So the first one they throw at him, he punches back. Great, throws at him, punches it back. And then they throw it to the opposite side of where he is. So like, it's kind of on them that that wasn't solved uh, the way they wanted it to be. But, you know, as a goalkeeper, I think we've all seen the compilations of the amount of uh, shit talkery that happens is you just have to stand there for 45 minutes and take it when you're by the way fans. So it's fun when you can kind of engage with them a little bit. I didn't think it was anything malicious either. You know, there's no reason for time wasting or card, you know, within that. I mean, and if anything, they got it made up at the end. So uh, I think no harm, no foul at all played out nicely. Yeah. They, they, 
there can't be water bottles thrown in this exchange, though. Like, it's one thing if it's yeah. the ball. I mean, it's just, you know, we were, we were chatting with Naz, you know, as in our in our WhatsApp, and he was like, yeah, someone just threw a water bottle of Keppa. These incidents have become a lot more common. It needs to be investigated. That person needs to be banned. Like, it just can't. You can't do that. Sorry. Like, I, they make it very clear in the pre-stadium announcements and signage all over the stadium. You can't throw shit at people. Plus, good common sense should tell you that. I mean, if it's the ball, that's one thing, right? But, yeah, anyway, not to be the fun police, but, yeah, I don't want our goalkeeper getting hit in the head with anything and uh, having any sort of injuries. Well, obviously, that wasn't the only thing kind of going on in the stadium. Uh, Dan, it was the official tribute day for the club for uh, Gianluca Viale, who sadly passed away recently. Um, uh, obviously, the shed end doing a ton with banners and displays. The club, all the players wearing uh, number nine in their warm-up kits. Um, and I'm sure there was something on the video boards as well that we just didn't get to see on broadcast. There were a couple photos of it via a few Twitter accounts that shared it online, but just from afar looked to be a wonderful tribute to um, icon of the game and someone very important from a player and managerial capacity in Chelsea's history. We have a whole special that we'll be dropping later this week where we had Rick and Gary go further in to the history of Yali. We've got a couple of contributions from the team here. We've got a few comments there. But just in general, uh, great work by the club, great work by the supporters, great work by Crystal Palace for playing a part in it too. That was something that required everybody to work together, and it was uh, it was a really nice send-off. All right. Beautiful. Well, we'll be back with more at that. Uh, but right now we're going to take our ad break. So when we get back, uh, jumping into the... Uh, the match and dig it in. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show and we'll be right back. All right. The best offense is a good defense, right? A, a debut, a rebound and a constant display in class. Uh, we'll talk about the defense who uh, kept it together today. You know, I dropped Keppa from my fantasy team. I was like, this team is just going to continue to leak goals. Keep the faith. I, I am shocked. Wait, to be fair, I brought in right. Anyways, we don't need to get into it. Uh, it was such a different team. Again, I think this is what we were talking about, the roller coaster, right? Again, a completely different team, motivated differently, played differently, uh, and the defense came together. Uh, Badi Shile making um, his name known, right? Stepping in in a back four, playing left center back next to um, timeless Tiago, as he shall now forever be named. And according to the stats, he had a pretty good day. Statman Dave said he had 97% accuracy, 88 touches, 71 passes completed, nine clearances. He won five of his seven aerial duels, won five of his six ground duels, uh, won four of four of his tackles, and uh, completed three of his four long balls. One game, one clean sheet. Uh, nice little soap emoji there, Nick. Huh? Clean and tidy from the guy. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, I, a little bit of a nervy start. I think he... he Gave away possession a few times, and it you know makes you wonder how that impacts you. But yeah, I think at the end of the game, he really came on strong. There were a lot of crosses into the box that he and Tiago Silva had to defend, and I think in those moments you got to see him at his physical best, where he's just leaps and bounds better in the air than than most attackers are going to be that we face, and so. Yeah, I was really pleased, but I think even even more than the physicality, Dan, I think the way that he just got chucked in there and just learned how to pass to people around him, it, 
presumably they've done a little bit in training, but he just got here a, a week or two ago. So uh, I was just really impressed with a lot of the composure on the ball and, and trying to advance the ball at times and not getting so far upfield that he left Tiago Silva alone at the back. The stat about the aerial duels is one of the most exciting individual player stat lines I have seen in recent memory where you are winning consecutive aerial duels. Good that the number is low so that he's not necessarily having to defend a ton of them, but great in the way that he was able to climb the ladder and just get above the rest and knock it out into a less dangerous position. And that's something in terms of the the dominance in that aerial kind of capacity. I mean, we've seen Kai, you know, occasionally from a defensive header. Like, he's been one of the few who's, who's been really good with that as well. Thiago is, is involved in that too. But just to add, add more height in the defense who can offer that is a really, really comfortable thing. I do agree with your comments that he was a little nervy in the beginning, but definitely calmed down throughout the match, settled into his place, and then was able to really do some fun switches of play, was comfortable driving forward as well. And so I think it was the right mix of a debut, Brandon, where it had healthy levels of risk to advance the play, but also left me feeling comfortable enough that he understands, I think, generally what his partners are trying to do at the moment. Again, 21-year-old left-footed center back from France, uh, Benoit, as we were enjoying the other day, Benoit Badishile. He, uh, on top of those stats that you gave, also had um, seven headed clearances. So from an aerial standpoint, ate it all up, right? Did a great job. Um, he had Lewis Hall on one side, Tiago Silva on the other, and then essentially Jorginho Gallagher in front of him. So it was a it was a bit of a mixed uh, you know lineup again. Again, we keep going from back three to back four and all these different kind of variations. But he looked very settled uh, by the time the game ended, which is exactly what you wanted. Him and Tiago Silva defending for their lives as Palace put on some giants up top. I mean, um, Mateta is uh, he's huge, right? All drink he, of water. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, he came on, he said he's 192 centimeters, whatever that means he is tall. And, but again, they were able to battle. They were able to limit the, uh, effectiveness of those crosses as they're pouring them in. And that's really important, you know, especially as you try to defend, uh, a lead. I mean, one, nothing, I wasn't confident until the whistle blew. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of credit that he earned with that one. So, um, Just good to see from him. A quick one because I just thought of the real three word match review I should have used. Benoit, Blanc, Palace. Anybody? Anybody? Any takers there? It is it is good. Anyone? You just you know, you need to get no glass on the deadline. That's for sure. Ah sometimes it's like that, Benoit. You might want to go ahead and tweet that, see if you can get some love, because I don't know if it's gonna come right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh Chalaba. So interesting. I thought he struggled quite a bit today. As far as like technical stuff again he's playing right back um, you could say out of position but you know what i loved about him he never gave up he was relentless he fought to the end whether or not he played a bad pass whether or not he had a bad clearance misread it that's one thing you get with with chalba dan is it he will play to the whistle to every whistle and even if he makes a mistake he doesn't put his head down he immediately looks to make up for that mistake either to get into a center back position and provide cover or go back and win it um his defending even at the very last seconds of the game 
uh, to have the heads up to just put a block tackle in, but didn't touch it and let it go out of bounds for a goal kick. Um, again, not the cleanest day, but his effort and his work ethic, I think, are what makes up for a lot of the the mistakes that happen throughout a game. It was a rebound game. It was a really nice rebound game, and he was comfortable, I think, and confident in his challenges. He, to the point you made, made some really nice sliding tackles, was able to recover when necessary to get back, because I think we did try to play further forward. Obviously, if you have Hakim Ziyech on the right-hand side, you're going to be asked to do generally a lot more, though Hakim Ziyech ran a, a ton in this game. He also worked his uh, worked his pants off, too, to get this W for the team. And, yeah, Nick, I, I just thought it was a nice... I think the reason why I acknowledge it was it's, just, it's a nice return after a not-great performance. And I think that's what supporters and fans we've been asking for is like, hey, just... Show the fight, show the willingness to compete, show the willingness to work hard and grind some stuff out through a really tumultuous moment at Chelsea, and we got that from him today. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should think of this formation as like a flat back four because I don't really think it played like that. I think it played like a asymmetrical three five two at times, and that's because Lewis Hall was so far up the field most of the game that it kind of, you know, rotated around where Trev was not so much a right back, but I think he was more of a right center back. Uh, it did get upfield at times, but it wasn't, you know, necessarily like, you know, he was playing uh, the position the same way that Reese James or Espilicueta would play it. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was happy for him. You know, he was also big at the end with some clearances and some, um, some big-time headed clearances uh, in the box as well. He's, he's no small uh, player. I mean, he really gets stuck in on those and he does a good job. So, um, look, I, I love Trev. I want him to play his best. I know he's still working his way back, you know, to, to full fitness. So that to me is, is critical. Again, big fan works tirelessly. We'll play any position as him. I think right back, right center back, right center back in a three, um, played a little CDM. Uh, he is, is just, grit grit and hard work which from a defender uh, is is so so good to see uh then lastly but certainly not leastly tiago silva i mean who i honestly did not realize it was him making that marauding run down the middle of the field in the second half oh my god <laughs> i because I, I was like that's not tiago he's not gonna do that he just does it it does it all I saw the comment where someone said maybe Bill Silva was on to something, that if we did have a Thiago Silva in midfield attack and defense, that we would be running it back for another Champions League. One of the great things about Thiago Silva, obviously, he, you know, just is, I don't know, he sees the game five seconds before it happens. He's reading the future through whatever tea leaves, whatever mysticism he's using, and it just gives everybody else, I think, a, a lot of confidence. I think... Helped Badia Shield probably to know that he was standing back next to Thiago Silva for the majority of the game. Nick, and I think in general, he just continues to be someone, whether, like Bell Silva said, you know, you could play him everywhere, maybe you would be winning more. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think in this in this day and age of flashy offensive signings and incredible midfield performances, it's, it's not always easy to look at a defender all match and go, wow, what an incredible player. But I mean, that's what we do with Reese James and, and Tiago Silva, right? I mean, both of these players command your respect because they are so 
fucking good at what they do. And Tiago today was really, really important. I mean, I think to settle the team in, first of all, kind of get the team going, to cover off on some of the Jorginho mishaps in the first half, to uh, make a ton of clearances at the end of the game, to shoot three times in a row offensively <laughs> uh, in, in that sequence. I mean, like, he was just all over the place. We just have to protect him now. Like, we have to utilize some of these center backs to, you know, step in and do a job when he is he's out because you can't, I, I don't think, play him three times in a, in a week. So we're going to have to be really careful about that because if, if we do, I think we can get performances like this in critical matches, and God knows that we need every single win that we can get through the end of the year. So that that's kind of my thing, Brandon, as I look at Tiago Silva's moment. You, you mentioned timeless earlier. I think that's 100% right. He's just doing the absolute best that he can do. Which is obviously pretty, pretty good and uh we're just such a benefit to to have him like you said he can't be relied on um for a ton of minutes he's 38 but when we you know if we can manage his load appropriately we're in a really good spot with him uh it'll be really interesting to see just how long he can sustain this it is quite fantastic um okay and then moving over to goalkeeping keppa statman dave with keppa's numbers uh from the first half he had 100 pass accuracy 100 Aerial duels one. Like, what does that mean? Like crosses? Is that what we're talking about? Aerial duels one. <laughs> 25 touches, 17 passes completed, three saves, two out of two sweeper keepers. <laughs> Again, like, is that a verb? Uh, two saves from inside the box, two clearances, made some important saves. Uh, interesting from Statman Dave. There's a lot of uh, the questionable takes in there, but uh, I like the definitions. It's creative. Um, he doesn't fit into the traditional, uh, you know, outfield player stats, but, um, overall a pretty quiet night for him. Uh, you know, he had to have two, I think big saves throughout the game and he, and he made them, which is good. Um, it, do, I don't know, Nick, do you feel like the Keppa we've seen against Manchester city Fulham to today is different? Is this just more of like the inconsistency of all of the players because even I'd say over the last three, four games, he was like, yeah, he's starting to regress to the mean. And then you have a game today where he seemed comfortable in keeping a clean sheet. It's just, it's, it's just kind of hard to wrap your mind around week to week, game to game sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a half and half, right? I think he played better today. He made some crucial saves. He made a couple of really difficult saves, right? Getting up for a couple of shots that were rising um, in, in, in his direction. But I also think there were far fewer mistakes around him as well, um, which allows him to kind of sit back and be a little bit more comfortable. And I, I don't think, I don't think he is our goalkeeper of the future anymore. I, you know, it was nice to have that run in there. But I think if we can get more of today and less of Fulham through the end of the season, we'll be okay. Um, you know, obviously the clean sheet is. God, it's super needed um, after a lot of the defensive errors. But even just seeing some of the shots that he saved today, massive. We will play a lot better uh, offensive teams than Palace. They are, they're right there with us and struggling to score goals. But, again, you got to save the ones that are in front of you. So I, I was pleased with his performance, Dan. Are you ready for Dar Darwin Nunez versus Kepa? <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they did like the old MLS penalty shootout if if who would score first it would be pretty pretty up in the air 
Yeah. All right. Well, again, uh, he was actually man of the match on Foot Mob. Take that for what you want. Um, 8.7, I think, is a generous score, but you know, most of our players were thankfully upper sevens and eights, whereas Palace were mainly sixes and a couple sevens. So, um, you know, that that was the incorrect choice (laughs) for this one. Look, I, I, I'm looking at her scores and I'm looking kind of across it and I'm a little surprised by some of them, but you know, that's why there's an eye test to go with the data test because they rarely align. So anyways, we're going to take our last break and we get back jumping into a new signing and, uh, how you announce it. Definitely a new era. Thanks to sponsors, and we'll be right back. Chelsea social media and comms had a weekend. Making history, not reliving it. Had a weekend, Dan. And you know what I appreciate most about us and our ability to read, absorb, and then repeat? Is that you guys immediately promoted the trip with, want to see new signing Mudrick? Sign up today. Like You guys jumped on it within hours and i thought it was it was well played they like to play off us on certain things now we can play off them yeah lads tried hard you know we definitely uh you know put in some effort and uh you know we just have to keep working on that you know it's gonna be something that we continue to do and we strive for and uh yeah you know it's tough times but uh we'll, we'll make it out is that your potter dan yeah we gotta we gotta work on that accent for sure oh uh, no trying the accent's the worst thing that you can do <laughs> You gotta do your Belichick instead. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we uh, we got the trip in there. We uh, we promoted it the best that we could, but uh, you know now we're on to uh, we're on to Liverpool. So uh, that'll be the next thing we do. Uh, again, a signing. What, like, what happened? Like, so again, they didn't even na- wait till halftime. No. So here's Naz's tweet, which was brilliant. It goes. Tiago Silva sees a shot saved as Mikhailo Mudrik's 88 million deal is announced. Mid-match. But, like, rewind to Saturday. What? Like, uh, the Instagram love? And was there, like, a clause in there? Because, like, Shakhtar Donetsk had been saying, hey, we'll announce more information once we get to, like, 50,000 followers or whatever. Were we, like, as a part of the contract to say, hey, Mudrik, look how many followers we can drive to your Instagram. Watch this. They tagged him in their bio. It it felt awfully thirsty. Uh, I will say that it felt. Was awfully it done? Thirsty. You think Nick at that I, point, or were, was this like still the charm offensive? Because we all saw how much he wanted to go to Arsenal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like either it was <laughs> the biggest dumbest risk of all time, or they had it wrapped up and we're just awaiting kind of final paperwork and stuff like that. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, we talked to Andrew Todos about this, uh, about the the media around this one, because he he even said, you know, if you go listen to the episode that came out uh, on on Saturday, because we turned it around that quick, uh, he was like, Shakhtar Donetsk usually does like goal of the month videos for their social. Like he said, they're pretty straight line on, on what they put out. And them tweeting about the conversations happening around the player is just insane like it it takes away their bargaining power like i anyway it doesn't really matter but this whole thing has been dan in one word or two words actually fucking insane how quickly it's happened and the all the media around it i've never seen anything like it it's interesting if this is the template we use moving forward because boy oh boy (laughs) i don't know if i'm equipped to handle that quick that 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 fast of a turnaround I guess positives, right? It moved super fast from the moment we found out that Chelsea were 
truly interested, because yeah, just like anything else, Chelsea had been rumored to be interested or evaluating, like this is how quickly things change. We had talked to Matt earlier in the week, and he's like, yeah, you know, and the club seemingly was saying, no, 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 we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. And that was what uh, every kind of major reporter was saying in that moment. Fast forward to Friday, late Friday into Saturday morning, it's like, oh yeah, so uh, Chelsea are doing this? And then like an hour later, oh yeah, Chelsea are basically done, and he's going to be on a jet, and he was putting, and Mudrick was putting his plane in, uh, his phone in airplane mode so that he could hop on Igbali's jet, head back to London, and get ready for the medical today, and photo shoot, signed, done, announced, in the owner's box, and revealed at halftime to all of Stamford Bridge by Lee Parker. Just, I don't know, like, that is really, really just a different way of doing it, and you know what? It also wound up so many Arsenal supporters were not doing much against them on the pitch this year. So I have to take the off-pitch win. Dub. So again, uh, you know, the old head of comms, Steve, is gone. He went to F1. They're rebuilding a new team. And you know that one of the things that Bully talked about is that they could do a lot more with the app and kind of content. Well... Here's a sneak peek to potentially the new bully area of comms and media. And I tell you what, it works. The amount of engagement and traffic on a non-match day while, you know, it was the Manchester Derby, like they stole a lot of media from the day. And again, like, like it or not, uh, watching the Arsenal fans melt down after Zhao Felix and now Mudrik, uh, it, it is crazy to see but it from a digital media strategy it worked i tell you what the fans i think a lot of us fans were kind of like wait we're doing what and then there was like no time to really kind of understand the why behind it we we're like quickly scrolling and like okay great a, a year and a half in the ukrainian division and he had a bad attitude for three years before that but now he bulked up and is in a better state of mind you're like but he's really fast and good on the dribble you're like all right, great. Liam Toomey putting out the funny thing of trying to fit all the Chelsea players in, and it turns out we have like six left winger players now. So we'll have to see how everything shakes that out. Was, we know we know we have injuries, right? We know there are gaps to fill. He's young, and as David Ornstein said, the contract is seven and a half years with an option to extend another year. So that's why it's widely being reported as an eight and a half year deal. Uh, FFP is what is burning from the Arsenal fans' mouths right now. How are Chelsea doing this? It doesn't matter. You're not smart enough for it. We'll break it down later with tweeds. <laughs> but it just it, it amortizes next to nothing. You know, it's a big fee up front, but over seven to eight years, like it isn't that much. So uh, we'll have to see the Chelsea website again, getting more information from how they operate and how they're going to uh, do this. Uh, they said, quote, the Ukrainian international who turned 22 earlier this month has put pen to paper on an eight and a half year contract with the Blues to seal his move to Stanford Bridge. Uh, he said, quote, I'm so happy to sign for Chelsea and quote, Mudrik said after completing his move. <laughs> Uh, this is a huge club in a fantastic league and it is a very attractive project for me at this stage of my career. I'm excited to meet my new teammates and I'm looking forward to working and learning under Graham Potter and staff end quote. Again, Brentford almost signed him for 40 million four months ago. Ukraine, Ukrainian club Donetsk, uh, held tight. And now they got essentially, was it rumored to be about 77, 88 million pounds total, yeah. total package? So, so a, a flat, kind of in the range of 70 million euros up front with 
potential add-on fees up to 30 million euros. And I, the thing to keep in mind is if he gets, if we are paying Shakhtar the 30 million euros, he has done extremely well. Yes. And like we have absolutely got the player that we wanted because all of the goals, and I think the other mischaracterization that's floating out there now is like, oh, well, Chelsea, of course, are going to offer a wage package of 150 pounds, 250 pounds a week. Like that, that is actually not that the structure of the wage packages that like, like Arsenal is going to sign him for 35,000 a week. Like, uh, come on, like Don Robbie is not, this is not what's happening here. Chelsea have started to move towards a model that is a fixed kind of wage with a lot of escalators to put players in a position to potentially make way more than they would have with the prior regime's contract structure in the hopes of really allowing them to earn at a higher rate. And that is also tied to our team's success, which is how all these contracts should be. It should always be about you are paid for what you do, what you contribute. And if you help the team do lots of really, really great stuff, you are going to capitalize and be able to kind of pull from the share of that pie too. Uh, it, it, it de-risks the proposition a little bit for us, right, Brian? So, like, very American concept. Big contracts, lots of escalators. There are some. There's some guaranteed money in the NFL, NBA, et cetera, right? And, and some leagues like baseball have all of it guaranteed. But from from like a, a normalization of of performance perspective, yeah, we're taking a hell of a risk here, right? I mean, the kid has not blown up the world with his play yet but it's it's not as much of a risk as just paying 100 million euros for a player straight up right that's that's kind of where the bully team is coming from and the last thing on it though is that there are a lot of people who are like well wait a minute he was twerking for arsenal he was posting videos images liking their posts liking posts of, from accounts talking about how he was going to come to arsenal Zero care about that in my mind whatsoever. Like the moment you put on the Chelsea shirt and you're out there to play for Chelsea, you get 100% of the backing to go out and dominate. I'm sure it's going to make for a really, really spicy game when he scores against Arsenal and kisses the badge. Um, that will be really, really fun. But in general, like you play for Chelsea now. Like you had an option. You could have waited. That club didn't want you. Chelsea did. And this is where we're at. Well, and... And, like, yeah, his team could have said no, right? I mean, like, his team could have said absolutely not. We're waiting around for Arsenal. Yeah, and wait then, six months. Well, And then Arsenal would have basically had a free thing to go. But he didn't. He decided to come. And, you know, his club made out like bandits um, compared to where they were going to be. It's a, it's a win-win for everybody. The last thing I'll say on this, and I'll pass it back to you, Brandon, is we've tried a bunch of Chelsea's my – childhood club i i love them so much that hasn't really worked out what if we try the opposite what if what if we are in a childhood club what if he just comes here and plays really well that'd be kind of neat mm -hmm. yeah we pay you to do a job you do said job really well we all win um yep. it, it, one thing that i was saying from earlier just on dan's point is that it is well documented that chelsea want to rebalance the wage structure they feel like it's very top heavy too much guaranteed uh so you know part of it is is um you know signing a bunch of young up-and-coming players you know, saying, putting them on long deals, uh, saying, if you perform anywhere close to what we think, we all agree, you'll, you'll get that. So a lot of this, I think is we're going to see a lot of turnover and we started to hear hints of it in the media about who might not be coming back. 
a lot of that is purely just down to um, restacking the wage structures in the club. Uh, so that way people aren't sitting around looking around in the locker room being like, well, he's not even playing, but he's on crazy wages. Again, performance based off a good base is where they want to go. And as long as they find players that are willing to bet on themselves and obviously Chelsea aren't going to underpay anyone, you know, that base salary is still going to be quite generous. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. You know, I wonder if we were giving too much security to players where they didn't have to worry about performing. Maybe with this new opportunity, the 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 ownership group are saying we will actually pay you a ton of money if you deliver on these bonuses that are tied to our success. Um, and it kind of realigns everybody. So uh too early to tell, but I like the idea. I mean that that has to be where we go, right? And like when you think about selling players this summer. I want you to think about it in two ways, right? It's not only like, can we get an idealized transfer fee for a player and, and recoup some of the money, right? Like, obviously that would be great, but it's also potentially getting their wages off the books. I mean, those wages add up to a huge, huge number, right? With a certain amount of players. And you want to talk about like, how can Chelsea afford to do this, that, or the other thing by replacing players who aren't performing on high wages with Academy players. And then having a handful of really, really top earners who are high performers, who reach James of the world, Ingolo Conte's of the world, whatever, sitting at the top. So the hierarchy of wages is right. I think, you know, just to add a little point on the end of that, Brandon, like everyone's worried about FFP. We, we need to dive deeper into it, frankly. I don't think we know enough right now to be, you know, experts on it. But I think that's one thing that we're going to hear whenever we talk to Tweeds or, or someone like that, that, we got to get some of these bloated wages off the books. That sounds like top of the priority list for the, the ownership group. All right. Uh, last one we have here. And this is a little bit interesting for me. Uh, Connor Gallagher. You put in Gallagher goodness. Industrious effort. Um, I didn't think he had a great game today from my eye test. I thought he had to work really hard. Uh, I thought he gave away possession in some pretty bad situations, especially right at the end where he kind of looped that ball into body Chile and um, had an issue. But Dan, when you look at the numbers here with Statman Dave and some of the other stuff, it would say that he did have a good game. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say. I'm not saying bin him. I just thought he looked like he really struggled to kind of keep his feet underneath him. Um, and, uh, I don't know. We'll, you, we'll let you start with the stats. So I think the Statman Dave with the 100% long balls completed, 90% pass accuracy, 97 touches, 60 passes completed, 13 ground duels won, 21 final third passes, six fouls won, three dribbles completed, two crosses completed, three key passes, pulling the strings. And Squawka with the no midfielder, no midfielder, has won more duels in a single Premier League game this season. No midfielder. Then Connor Gallagher against Crystal Palace, 27 duels contested, 15-1. I, I don't know. I thought it was a really strong performance from him. I think he played up to it maybe because of the Crystal Palace connection in terms of uh, knowing a fair bit of those players and being a part of that side in the prior season when he was on loan there. I thought it was hard work, grit, determination. I think he was flying into a lot of stuff. He was contesting anything he could. He was either the person putting pressure on them or the one under pressure having to play out of it. And I thought this was maybe the most composed in terms of a total appearance that he's had since he's put on the Chelsea shirt, Nick. Yeah, one thing about him is it's never going to look smooth, right? And Golo Conte's everywhere looks pretty fucking smooth, right? 
even Mason Mount, a lot of effort. A lot of it looks pretty smooth. Um, Nemanja Matic back in the day. Well, you know, I felt like he never smooth. got out of second gear, but he was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's, but it looks like, have you ever seen the the videos of, of like what 18 miles an hour looks like on a treadmill and this and the, the smaller person's running as fast as they can. A lot of arm movement, a lot of pump in the arms and and the legs are moving fast. And then the the, the bigger person is just doing like long stride. Like Connor's a smaller person on the treadmill. Like he has to do that. But I, I think the thing I'd say about this, Brandon, and, I, and maybe throw it back to you for consideration is we have clearly lacked a performance like that in the midfield for the last, you know, six weeks in the, you know, barring the world cup break. It was nice to have someone who was willing to throw themselves in, get stuck in, annoy the shit out of the other team, break up play, you know, win the ball back, try and do something moving forward. I, it wasn't a brilliant offensive performance by any means, but in a, in a team that isn't scoring enough goals, we've had a lot of passengers in, in those roles over the last handful of weeks, and he wasn't a passenger today. He actively contributed, won the ball back, got it to a Ziyech, got it to a Mount, you know, got it to a Kai Havertz, and, and had at least a little bit more uh, contribution than we've seen otherwise. That's just my take on it. For sure. And that was kind of part of my thing is it looked like a very labored effort. Like he was always kind of reaching for things. But, you know, Jorginho got his caution the 49th minute, right? So you essentially are playing with Jorginho on a yellow who's already bad at tackling. And now you almost have to make up for a lot of what he's doing. So I I do accept that he probably had to do a lot of extra stuff because of that situation. Um and I think it it just it definitely was not like smooth. But when you look at those numbers, right, at the end of the day, that is he was well I think that would be like a really good number eight performance on the day, right? Where you say he did enough, he fed the attackers, it was on them to go finish it. He cleaned up a lot of stuff in the back. It just looked like a hard day out for him. And I think for me, a couple of like crucial bad passes where they were square or put people in trouble in some situations, those definitely stand out to me probably because the potential impact they had. But 21 final third passes, right, is fantastic. Three dribbles completed. Um, the the ground duels one is just, I mean, like I said, it's a huge number. Uh, 13 alone is, is impressive. Squawk, I had him at 15. They said he was 15 to 27. Um there, there is just he did probably what I always say is the dirty side of the game, um, you know, not the fun game, not the name up in highlights. But that's why it's good to hear kind of your guys perspective on it, because I'll have to go back, watch highlights and see, you know, maybe I was just caught up in some different things and didn't really appreciate what he did today because I didn't see those numbers. But again, I wasn't really paying attention to it. I mean, that's that's crazy. You know what kind of Do those you know numbers who also contested 20 duels, ground duels in this game. Hakim Ziyech. Do you know how many he won? Oh, I was about to say, here comes the kicker, though. Three? Twelve. Wow, shit. Yeah, Ziyech played really pretty well today. Strong day out. He definitely committed further forward for the majority of it, but we were playing so far forward from what we have typically played <laughs> in the uh, handful of matches where we've been penned in. We had an opportunity to push back and not have to always play in our half of the pitch, which was quite wonderful. Ziyech had a good game as well. I mean, I think in general, the overall squad performance was at a bit of a higher level. I think even Aubameyang had, outside of the miss, <laughs> um, had a 
better day in terms of pressing forward. And, you know, I think Jorginho had a, had a pretty strong day out. I mean, I think you wish Mason uh, and Kai or Mason and Aubameyang would have connected uh, with the kind of cuts in across the box or you know, across the front of goal. But in general, like, I just, I just think it sums it up, Nick, that, like, this overall had a feeling of a better performance when everybody was actually working on the same page. Not everybody was crowding into each other's lanes or spaces. People were relying upon one another to deliver. We weren't making too many individual errors that the other team could capitalize on. And like this was, this was a palate like this was a palate cleanser for the players, for Potter, and for us. A palace cleanser, even. Um, oh, hey oh. Uh, but look, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think if we would have lost today, I mean, the already damp mood would have would have just been. Awful. Um, I, I'm really. I said this at the beginning. I'm really happy for Graham. I mean, dude has so much on his shoulders right now. There's all this other shit going on in the background. He's even, you know, in, in Matt Law's uh, post match report, he's even said like we can't rely on a transfer window to bail us out if we're playing bad. So like we all need to get better. And I think he, as a coach. Brandon would say like, yeah, like there's a lot of development that needs to happen here now. Like we have, we have talent, we have a lot of injured players, but we need to just be better. And I'm just happy the team won. I mean, it's really nice to report back on one of these and go another drab performance and blah, blah, blah. Like it's nice to have some positives to talk about. Again, my thing, one game at a time. Like it's been too much of a roller coaster. You can't have Hakim Ziyech having a great game and then going away for three matches. No, like, they need to build off of this. Again, I think we're starting to see some settling in the roster, which is important. Lewis Hall. I mean, Kukure didn't even come out. Koulibaly came on for left back at the end, by the way. So Lewis Hall was tremendous today. Gra- I mean, Grand really. Potter wanted the win. You could tell. Well, he was bringing on Azpilicueta. <laughs> in the Koulibaly. 89th minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, just, I'm not giving this one away. A hundred. I know we didn't talk about Hall in, in like a deep dive like we usually do, but I thought he was absolutely on fire today. My boy needs to learn how to shoot the football at the goal because when he does, he's going to be an unstoppable weapon. But he kind of played that pseudo left wing back, left back thing again. He's a number eight. Like he's so far out of position. It's not even funny. And he's doing a tremendous job and it's now first choice. Like think about that as an evolution. We just bought he's first choice over Kukure. We just bought for 60 million, you know, Chilwell is obviously not healthy, but uh, again, the fact that Koulibaly came over Kukure has to send a message to him. Uh, Lewis Hall, five for seven long balls, two for three tackles, one, uh, three ball recoveries, three for seven of his ground duels, but two for three of his area duels, which is, is good to see. But again, starting to set up Chuck Omeka gets a start uh, again, Havertz. Are we going to see this build? Um, you know, Ziyech, Shalaba, Silva, Kepa, consistency is of the utmost key. So we'll have to see what happens. We've got a week off until we play Liverpool. Uh, plenty of time on the training ground to get ready for that one. So anyways, Dan of the match, uh, what do you think? How did it go? I think, well, people were generally okay with it outside <laughs> of the fact that Betty Ashili was not in it. But uh, I put Gallagher... Which I, maybe you would not have agreed with initially, but you probably we probably won you over here, Brandon. Uh, Kepa, Silva, and Ziesh, I think, were the ones that I went with, and Silva ran away with it. So I don't even know why people are upset that one person was left off it, forty-five percent, uh, and then a split. Gallagher, Gallagher and Kepa both at twenty-one percent, and then Ziesh with twelve. So you know, people are generally happy. Yeah, I, I think I would have had Benoit over Ziesh in that one. Person. No goal score. It might have it might have split that vote a little bit more. 
No yeah. goal score, which is always interesting. Uh, so uh, the the roundup is over right now. Chelsea uh, still in 10th place. We didn't move, but we went up plus uh, three. We're now level on points with Liverpool, who dropped to ninth. So we're both on 28 points. Uh, we're on 19 matches played. They're only in 18. So this, this one coming up at the weekend is extremely critical just from like an emotional win like we really don't care that liverpool are ninth that is their problem but for us to be able to mid-table matchup at anfield for us to you know get one above and then not be because right now we're the we're the lowest big team right like we need to start to catch teams one at a time you assume brentford run out of gas they did last season they were doing really well till midway and then they just ran out of steam on that press uh, Brighton seem like unstoppable. I think Fulham will, will regress a little bit. So again, are we in Europa League places? Where do we go? But we need to, to focus on, uh, Liverpool one game at a time. He's gonna have a full week to repair. I'm really interested to see, uh, how this goes. Um, but some of the other results you had the, the Manchester Derby and the North London Derby over the weekend, uh, Manchester United gifted a win over City. Fraudulent. Uh, look, City probably didn't do enough to win, but that Rashford offsides was horrific, so that gave them the win 2-1. Um, and then Arsenal just, like, breezing past Tottenham. Yuris flipping it into his own goal embarrassingly. Uh, Arsenal continued to go from strength to strength. Other than that, Brighton smacked Liverpool 3-0. Like, that was probably, to me, the oh shit results of the weekend yeah uh I, I think one of the benefits of buying all these young defenders is that liverpool are going to need some coming up soon uh i i think i think van dyke might be might be about toast um as as a player and i don't think they necessarily have the backups to make up for him add in a just absurd trent alexander arnold performance uh and and look they're they're not in a great spot now look we don't score enough to be cocky about this but uh there are plenty of people who are projecting that mudrick is is potentially going to have a day against uh one trent and uh we'll see how so they react he hasn't played in quite some time so yeah. it's probably likely a cameo and not necessarily a start but who wouldn't relish 20 30 minutes of trying to uh create your next instagram highlight reel that you could then uh, share out to uh, hopefully now hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers that you have. But I think the only other interesting results to call out are the Wolves Wolves beating West Ham and Southampton beating Everton, which David Moyes and Frank Lampard are uh, in deep doo-doo at the moment, at the, uh, the very uh, bottom of the table at this moment. Southampton, Everton, West Ham is the bottom, and that is a... Not where either of those two clubs or either of those three clubs probably thought they would be at the start of this season. Oh, I mean, the, the, the bottom is an absolute mess in its own, right? You've got the all three teams in relegation, West Ham, Everton, Southampton on 15 points. Uh, and then 14th all the way down is on 17 points. And then again, you know, 12th is on 22 points. Like they're all within a couple results. Uh, so we need to just watch how that kind of plays out the rest of the season. It's insane. It's getting to the point where if they're going to make managerial changes, this is it. The January transfer window is still open for two more weeks. Uh, you can maybe kind of make a splash and see what happens or just go for a new manager bounce and, and try to see if that helps. But uh, it is not looking good. The longer West Ham stay down, the better our chances of Declan Rice are. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. One. But anyways, uh, that's it for us. A lot of a lot to be happy about. Uh, again, I think we all just want to see some consistency coming out of this. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, more content, as always, this week. Uh, another five-pod week. 
Um, you got uh, Sam, Dan and Sam recorded about targets. Uh, we've got, what is the, oh yeah, Adam Newsom's back. So we'll give you a little transfer window update on Tuesday as well. So a lot of good stuff. Yeah, poor Sam. Send well wishes to Sam, who is getting his attention turned every single day by shenanigans and new targets and stuff like that. The, the man's working hard, but uh, we will also have our Viale tribute out this week as well. Um, so it's going to be a busy week. We're going to just try and give you as many pods as you can handle, and, and we'll take it from there. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great start to the week, Chelsea fans. We'll be back again with a lot more content. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.